بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about غزوة تبوك the expedition of Tabuk and inshallah today we will speak about some of the incidents that happened on the way back to Medina from Tabuk when the Prophet and his companions they left Tabuk and they headed back towards Medina a number of incidents occurred and also after they reached Medina a number of incidents occurred so we'll speak today inshallah about some of those incidents so on the way back from Tabuk to Medina one night during the night the great companion Abdullah ibn Mas'ud he heard some noise in the night he heard the noise of digging, like someone is digging something. So he went out to investigate. And when he went out, he saw the Prophet ﷺ and his two closest companions, Abu Bakr and Umar the three of them, the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Bakr and Umar. He saw them digging a grave and burying one of the companions, a man by the name of Dhul Bujadain. And Dhul Bujadain, he was a companion of the Prophet ﷺ who was very poor. He used to be rich before Islam. He lived with his uncle and his uncle was very rich and he took care of him very well. But when Dhul Bujadain accepted Islam, his uncle disowned him and he stopped spending on him. So Dhul Bujadain, he was left with nothing. And all he had to his name was a rough garment that was cut into two pieces so he could wear one piece on his upper body and one piece on his lower body and that is why he is known as Dhul Bujadain Bujad it's a type of of covering that is that is very rough in its exterior so he had two pieces of this one for the upper garment and one for the lower garment and that's all that he had so he was a very poor companion of the Prophet and he passed away on the way back to Medina. He witnessed the expedition of Tabuk with the Prophet ﷺ. On the way back, he developed a fever, he got sick, and he passed away on the way back to Medina. So in the night, the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr and Umar the Prophet ﷺ and his two companions, they dug this grave and they buried Dhul Bujadain. And the Prophet ﷺ himself, he went down into the grave of Dhul Bujadain. And he said, he made a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allahumma rda anhu fa inni anhu raad. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, be pleased with him. Be pleased with Dhul Bujadain because surely, Ya Allah, I am pleased with him. I am happy with him. Now remember, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he's witnessing this whole thing. And he hears this dua of the Prophet First, he sees the Prophet himself go down into the grave of this person. The Prophet ﷺ himself went down into the grave of that person to take care of the burial. And then he made this beautiful dua, Allahumma rda anhu fa inni anhu rad. Oh Allah, be pleased with him, be pleased with Dhul Bujadain, because surely I am pleased with him. So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud when he saw this, he said, Ya laytani kuntu makana. He said to himself, Ya laytani kuntu makanahu. I wish it was me in that place. I wish that was me. Because look at what this man earned. The Prophet ﷺ himself taking care of his burial and then saying, Ya Allah, be pleased with him. Surely I am pleased with him. 
what greater success can you have than this? So Abdullah bin Mas'ud, he thought to himself, I wish it was me in that position instead of Dhul Bujadeh. So they continued on their way back to Medina after that. And on the way, they passed by a small hill, like an elevated area. So when they came near this hill, the Prophet ﷺ, he gave orders that no one should follow him up on that hill. The Prophet ﷺ was going to go onto the top of that hill and he ordered the rest of the army, no one should follow him. They should continue on their way. And he only took two companions with him onto the top of that hill. Ammar ibn Yasir and Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiallahu anhuma. So the Prophet ﷺ gave strict orders that no one else was to follow him on that hill. And he only took these two companions with him. And the reason why he went on that hill was because he wanted to inspect the army. Remember, this is the biggest Islamic army to date. 30,000 people from different tribes different tribes around Medina that had accepted Islam, they were all part of this army. 30,000 men. So the Prophet ﷺ wanted to inspect the army to make sure that everything was going smoothly. So when he saw this hill, this is a good opportunity that he could go to an elevated position and he could have a good view of the whole army. So he took Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman and Ammar ibn Yasir with him and they went to the top of that hill and there were strict orders that no one else from the army should follow them onto that hill. So some of the munafiqeen, some of the hypocrites from the tribe of Bani Tamim. Bani Tamim is one of the tribes that had recently accepted Islam. And there were some members of Bani Tamim who really hadn't accepted Islam in their hearts. But to go along with the rest of the tribe, they had to pretend to be Muslim. So there were some munafiqeen in the tribe of Bani Tamim. So these munafiqeen, they were part of the army as well. And when the Prophet ﷺ went on that hill, these munafiqeen from Bani Tamim, they thought that this is a perfect opportunity. They said, look, he's on the top of that hill and he only has two guys with him. We would never have an easy opportunity like this to get to him and to kill him. So some of the munafiqeen, some of the hypocrites from Bani Tamim who were pretending to be Muslims, they made an intention that they would go onto the top of that hill and they would assassinate the Prophet ﷺ. And they thought that this would be an easy job to do because there are only two people with him, Ammar ibn Yasir and Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman. So 14 of these munafiqeen, 14 of these hypocrites from Bani Tamim, they covered their faces and they came up to the hill. They started climbing the hill with the intention of murdering the Prophet Muhammad As these 14 men with covered faces, as they approached, the Prophet saw them and he became angry with them because he had given strict orders that no one is to follow him to the top of that hill. So he got angry. And Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, he saw the anger in the face of the Prophet So he became angry as well. Who are these people to disobey the strict order of the Prophet So Hudayfa he had a stick with him and he went to those people. He went towards those people with his stick. And he challenged them. How dare you come onto the top of the hill when the Prophet ordered that no one should come. So they got scared. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put fear into the hearts of these people. Even though they were 14. And the Prophet ﷺ and his two companions, they were only three people. 
But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put fear into the hearts of these 14 men and they didn't go through with it and they retreated and they ran away. So after they got scared and they ran away, the Prophet ﷺ, he asked Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman. He said, Ya Hudayfa, do you know who those people were? Do you know who they were? And Hudayfa said, their faces were covered, so I cannot recognize who they were. But by the look of their horses and by the look of their weaponry, it seems like they are from the tribe of Bani Tamim. By the look of their horses and weaponry, I can tell they're from Bani Tamim, but I cannot individually identify them because their faces were covered. Then the Prophet ﷺ asked Hudayfa, Ya Hudayfa, do you know what they wanted to do? Do you know why they climbed this hill? And Hudayfa said, No, I don't know, Ya Rasulullah. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Their intention was they wanted to come on the top of this hill, they wanted to attack me, and they wanted to push me off the hill to kill me. So Hudayfa was shocked that these people, they are part of the Muslim army and they want to kill the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Hudayfa was shocked at this. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam named each one of those 14 men. Even though their faces were covered, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to him who those people were. And Hudayfa was told by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the names of each one of these 14 hypocrites. They were so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so. And the Prophet ﷺ named all of them to Hudayfa radiallahu Then Hudayfa radiallahu he said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, we can order for their executions. You know who they are, so we can order for their heads to be taken off. We can order for their executions. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said, No, I don't want it to be said by the people that Muhammad kills his companions that this would give a bad image. The people would think that these are the companions of Muhammad and Muhammad is killing his own companions. So the Prophet ﷺ did not accept this suggestion from Hudayfa radiallahu So Hudayfa radiallahu he was given this secret by the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ informed him of the names of the munafiqeen. Not only these 14 munafiqeen from Bani Tamim, but Hudayfa was given this secret of the names of the munafiqeen by the Prophet ﷺ. And this was a secret that the Prophet ﷺ only entrusted with Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman. This was something special for Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman that the Prophet ﷺ entrusted him secretly with the names of the munafiqeen. Those 14 munafiqeen from Bani Tamim and the other munafiqeen in general as well. So this was something that was known to Hudayfa, but it was a secret that the Prophet ﷺ entrusted him with and he kept that secret of the Prophet ﷺ. That is why during the Khilafah of Umar ibn al-Khattab Umar whenever there was a janazah, before he would pray the janazah, he would see if Hudayfa is praying or not. Because this would give an indication. Was this person who died, was he a munafiq or was he not a munafiq? And there's no way to know that. Because a munafiq says he's a Muslim. So how can you know he's a munafiq? You can't know. Except Hudayfa knew. Because the Prophet ﷺ told him who the munafiqeen were. So he had that knowledge. So before Umar would pray any janazah prayer, he would wait to see if Hudayfa is going to pray, then I'm going to pray. If Hudayfa doesn't pray, then I'm not going to pray. So this is what Umar ibn Khattab an used to do. And it was to such an extent that Umar radiallahu an, one time he asked Hudayfa radiallahu an, Ya Hudayfa, Billah, Billah, Asammani, 
رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من المنافقين عمر ابن الخطاب one of the closest companions of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he had so much fear of Allah in his heart and so much fear of hypocrisy that he actually asked Hudayfa رضي الله عنه يا Hudayfa did the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم include me in the names of those munafiqeen that he gave you am I on that list that he gave you subhanallah this was the fear the taqwa that Umar ibn al-Khattab had in his heart he really asked Hudayfa ya Hudayfa am I from the munafiqeen did the Prophet tell you that I am one of the munafiqeen too and then Hudayfa radiallahu anhu he said la he said no you are not from the munafiqeen walan ukhbira ahadan ba'dak and I'm never going to answer this question to anyone else after you this is a secret that the Prophet ﷺ gave to me. I will tell you that you are not one of the munafiqeen. You are not named in those names. But no one should ask me this question again because I do not want to tell the secrets of the Prophet ﷺ. Alright, so they continued on their way. And as they approached Medina, when they came close to Medina, the Prophet ﷺ sent two of his companions to go ahead to go into Medina before the rest of the army. He sent two of his companions to go into Medina. Malik ibn al-Dukhshum and Ma'in ibn Adi radiallahu anhumah. Two companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam to enter Medina before the rest of the army, even before the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself. And he gave them a mission. He gave them a job. And their job was to go into Medina and burn down a specific masjid. The job of these two men by the Prophet ﷺ, that the Prophet ﷺ gave them this mission, go into Medina, go to such and such masjid and burn it down to the ground. And this masjid is known as Masjid Dirar. This was a masjid that was built by the Munafiqeen for their own purposes, to harm the Muslims. They built their own masjid in order to make problems for the Muslims. And it was actually built just before the Muslims left for Tabuk. The, co the construction was completed just before the Muslims had left for Tabuk. So the Munafiqeen, after building this masjid, they actually went to the Prophet ﷺ and they said, Ya Rasulullah, can you come to our masjid and pray in our masjid for barakah, for our masjid? And the Prophet ﷺ said, we'll see after I come back from Tabuk. After Tabuk, we'll see about it. So he didn't go and pray in that masjid and he told them, oh, we'll see about it after Tabuk. So on the way back from Tabuk, before he entered Medina, he sent these two companions ahead to go into the city and to burn this masjid down to the ground. This masjid of the Munafiqeen, Masjid Dirar. So these two companions, Malik ibn al-Dukhshum and Ma'in ibn Adi radiallahu anhumah, they entered Medina, they went to that masjid, Masjid Dirar, and they lit it on fire. And the Munafiqeen, they're surprised, what are you doing? How are you burning down this masjid? This is our masjid. And then they told the Munafiqeen, they said, this is the order of Rasulullah This order came directly from him. He told us to burn down this masjid. So we are following his instructions and we are burning it down. Then they couldn't do anything about it. It's the order of the Prophet What can they do? They can't stop it. So that masjid burned down to the ground. And this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is exposing the Munafiqeen now. Before the Munafiqeen, they were able to keep themselves somewhat hidden. But now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's exposing the Munafiqeen very clearly. So things are getting very serious now between the Muslims and the Munafiqeen. As the Muslims came to Medina, the Prophet said, There are some people 
who are in Medina, some people who didn't join us in this battle, but they will still have the ajr. Like you have the ajr for joining the expedition of Tabuk. There are some who stayed in Medina who didn't go with us, but they will still have the ajr as well because they have valid excuses. They have valid reasons why they didn't come. They had the intention to come. They had the will to come. They really wanted to come, but they were not able to come because of some valid excuses. Maybe they were too old. Maybe they were sick. Maybe they didn't have enough money to buy supplies to go. So some of the Muslims who stayed back in Medina and didn't join the expedition of Tabuk, they were really sincere. They wanted to go, but they had a valid excuse and they were not able to go. So they will still get the ajr like the people who actually went for the expedition got the ajr. So the Prophet ﷺ gave glad tidings for anyone who has a valid excuse, who really wants to do a, a good deed, but he's not able to do it due to a valid excuse. This person will still get the ajr inshaAllah. So now they enter Medina. The Prophet ﷺ, the companions, they're back home. They're back in Al Medina. Once they enter Medina, the Prophet ﷺ, first thing he does, he goes to Al Masjid Al Nabawi. He goes to his masjid and he prays two rakaat. And then after that, the people who didn't go for the battle, the munafiqeen who stayed back in Medina, they start going to the Prophet ﷺ and giving him all sorts of excuses. Ya Rasulullah, I wanted to go, but this is my excuse, that is my excuse. So the munafiqeen who didn't go, they started giving him all sorts of excuses why they didn't go. And the Prophet ﷺ was letting all of them go. He was accepting all of their excuses and letting them go. So the munafiqeen, they all gave false excuses. But there were also some true Muslims who didn't go. They should have gone, but they didn't go. And they realized their mistake. They realized that they should have gone and they didn't go and they realized that they made a mistake by not going. Some true Muslims who stayed back, who were able to go, who were physically healthy, who had enough wealth to go, but they just didn't go. They realized their mistake and they went to the Prophet ﷺ as well. There were seven of these true Muslims who tied themselves up in the masjid. They actually went to the masjid and they tied themselves up because they knew that they had made a huge mistake by not going with the Prophet ﷺ for the expedition. So they tied themselves up in the masjid and they said, we will not untie ourselves. No one will untie us except Rasulullah ﷺ. If we are forgiven and he comes and he unties us, we will be untied. Other than that, we will keep ourselves tied up here in the masjid until we are forgiven. So they sincerely were sorry for what they did. So there were seven of them. And when the Prophet ﷺ heard that these seven men had tied themselves up in the masjid, then the Prophet ﷺ said, I'm not going to untie them until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides whatever he wants to decide regarding them. I'm not going to just go and untie them. So they stayed tied up for a while until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayah, وَآخَرُونَ اَعْتَرَفُوا بِذُنُوبِهِمْ خَلَطُوا عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَآخَرَ سَيِّيًا عَسَى اللَّهُ أَنْ يَتُوبَ عَلَيْهِمْ That there are some of them who admitted to their sin. They admitted that they made a mistake, that they did something wrong. And they mix good deeds and bad deeds. They have good deeds and they also have bad deeds. Perhaps Allah will forgive them. So when Allah says perhaps Allah will forgive them, it means He forgives them. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this, that they have been forgiven, the Prophet untied them. He untied these seven men. And they came to the Prophet ﷺ and they said, Ya Rasulullah, it is our wealth that distracted us. We became too comfortable with the wealth that we had. That's why we didn't go. So as 
our repentance, we want to give all of our wealth away. This wealth, it kept us from going with you in the expedition. So to expiate for our mistake, Ya Rasulullah, let us give all of our wealth away. We don't want to keep anything. We want to give it all away in sadaqah. And the Prophet ﷺ said, no, no, keep your wealth. I have not been ordered to take your wealth. And then they insisted, they said, Ya Rasulullah, please, we beg you, take it. This wealth that distracted us from jihad, we don't want it. Please take it, Ya Rasulullah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, خُذْ مِنْ أَمْوَالِهِمْ صَدَقَةً تُطَهِّرُهُمْ خُذْ مِنْ أَمْوَالِهِمْ صَدَقَةً تُطَهِّرُهُمْ بِهَا وَتُزَكِّيهِمْ تُطَهِّرُهُمْ وَتُزَكِّيهِمْ بِهَا وَصَلِّ عَلَيْهِمْ إِنَّ صَلَاتَكَ سَكَنٌ لَهُمْ Take from their wealth. Take from their wealth. Not all of their wealth, but take from their wealth. Sadaqa, Charity. And this will purify them and it will cleanse them. وَصَلِّ عَلَيْهِمْ And pray for them. إِنَّ صَلَاتَكَ سَكَنٌ لَهُمْ If you pray for them, then this will be a comfort and a peace for them. They will find tranquility and peace in your prayers. So the Prophet ﷺ, he accepted some of their wealth as sadaqah, to be given in charity. And when he took some of their wealth to be given in charity, they said, Ya Rasulullah, don't take some of it, take all of it, take all of it. And the Prophet ﷺ said, no, I will not take all of it because Allah said, خُذْ مِنْ أَمْوَالِهِمْ صَدَقَةً تُطَهِّرُهُمْ وَتُزَكِّيهِمْ بِهَا Take from their wealth. Don't take all of their wealth. Take some of their wealth. Take from their wealth. Sadaqah, charity, that will cleanse them and that will be a purification for them. So the Prophet ﷺ, then he prayed for them. Allahumma salli ala fulan. Allahumma salli ala fulan. Because Allah said, وَصَلِّ alayhim." So the Prophet ﷺ made dua for each of these seven men. And it was a peace and tranquility for them to have this dua of the Prophet ﷺ. Also from the good true Muslims who didn't have a valid excuse but still stayed back as a mistake was one of the great companions of the Prophet ﷺ, Ka'b ibn Malik Ka'b He was young, he was wealthy, he had good health, so he really had no reason to stay behind. But he kept procrastinating when the Prophet ﷺ was preparing the army, Ka'b procrastinated he didn't prepare himself and then when the army actually set off he said to himself okay I can stay here a little bit longer and I can I can go fast and I can catch up with them even if they go I can catch up with them I can go fast and and catch up with the rest of the army so they went forward and he kept procrastinating to himself okay I'll go a little bit later I'll catch up with them I'll catch up with them then eventually his procrastination reached such a level that he realized now they're way too far ahead. He's not going to catch up with them. There's no way he can catch up with the army. So now he just had to stay in Medina. And he regretted it. He regretted not going. So while the Prophet ﷺ and his army, they were in Tabuk, Ka'b ibn Malik was in Medina. And he said that during that time, he would roam the streets of Medina. He would go around the streets of Medina and he wouldn't see anyone in Medina except weak Muslims and old Muslims who couldn't go for the battle and also he would see the munafiqeen who didn't go and he felt very guilty and ashamed that he stayed. So when the Prophet ﷺ returned back to Medina and the people were coming and making all of their excuses, the munafiqeen were coming and lying to the Prophet ﷺ and making all sorts of false excuses, Ka'b he wanted to go and meet the Prophet ﷺ too. But he said to himself, I cannot lie 
to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam lying it will lead to destruction i cannot lie to him and especially lying is bad in and of itself but lying to the messenger of Allah lying to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that's a whole another level of evil so kaab he decided to himself i'm just going to tell him the truth that i have no excuse i should have gone i messed up and i will tell him the truth i will be upfront and honest with the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so before kaab went to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the munafiqeen they were all going to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and lying and making up false excuses kaab radiyallahu an he says 80 people went to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam 80 people came to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam giving their excuses and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he would let them all go he would accept their excuses and he would leave whatever was in their heart to allah whatever excuses they gave, he would just accept it and he would let them go. So Kaab radiallahu an, finally he approached the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam saw Kaab ibn Malik, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam gave him an angry smile. He smiled at him, but in a way that can show that he is angry. He smiled, but you could see that he was angry. This is how Kaab radiallahu an describes it himself. He said, the Prophet ﷺ smiled at me with an angry smile. And the Prophet ﷺ asked Kaab, what held you back? Why didn't you come? And Kaab ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, he told the truth. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I have no excuse. I am healthy, I had wealth, and I had absolutely no justification for staying in Medina. I should have gone with you, but I didn't. He was honest with the Prophet ﷺ. And then the Prophet ﷺ said about Kaab, he said, As for this man, he has told the truth. And what does that mean? It means those other people who are making all sorts of excuses, they were not telling the truth. So he said about Kaab, As for this one, he is telling the truth. And then he told Kaab, he says, you have to wait, see what Allah decrees for you. See what the decision of Allah is regarding you. And along with Kaab ibn Malik, there were two others who were in the same boat. They also had no excuse for not going with the Prophet ﷺ. And they were also honest with the Prophet ﷺ regarding their situation. The two companions who were in the same boat as Kaab ibn Malik were Hilal ibn Umayyah and Murara ibn Ar-Rabi'i. So these three, they didn't go and they had no excuse not to go. And they were honest with the Prophet ﷺ that they had no excuse. These three men. So the Prophet ﷺ regarding these three companions, he received revelation to order the rest of the Sahaba, do not talk to these three people. You cannot talk to them. Even if they give you salam, you cannot even say wa alaykum as -salam. Completely ignore them. Completely ignore them. This was the test for these three companions who did not go for the expedition of Tabuk and they had no valid reason to stay back. So the order was that the companions could not talk to these men. So as for Hilal ibn Umayyah and Murara ibn al-Rabi' they sat at home. They didn't even go out of their home. They were so sad about the situation. They were so regretful. They just stayed at home and they were crying and they were making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive them. As for Ka'b radiallahu an, Ka'b was a younger man. So he didn't stay at home. He actually, he would still go to the masjid. He would go to the marketplace, but he was completely ignored by everyone. He would go to the masjid and he would say, Assalamu alaikum. And nobody would say, Wa alaikum assalam to him. He was ignored. 
He would go to the marketplace and he would say, Assalamu alaikum, and nobody would reply to him. So nobody would talk to him. So this is a huge test. This is a huge test that he had to go through along with the other two companions who were in the same situation. And this lasted for many days and weeks. One day, Ka'b radiallahu anhu, he was in such a difficult situation. Nobody is talking to him. A complete social boycott. One day, he climbed the wall of his cousin, Abu Qatada radiallahu anhu. This was his cousin and it was his best friend. Ka'b's very close friend and his cousin. He climbed over his wall. And he said, Assalamu alaikum. And Abu Qatada did not reply his salam. And Ka'b was very sad and he said to his cousin, Ya Aba Qatada, you know that I love Allah and His Messenger, right? You know that I love Allah and His Messenger, right? And Abu Qatada, Abu Qatada radiallahu anhu, he said, Allahu A'lam, Allah knows best. And he did not talk to him more than that. So Ka'b was very sad, he cried and he went back again to the other side of the wall. Nobody is talking to him. Nobody returns his salam. It's a very difficult situation for him to be in. And he cried out of sadness. But he realized that it was his own mistake that led to this. And he was patient upon the decree of Allah. One day, during this difficult time for Ka'b ibn Malik, a messenger from Asham, a messenger all the way from Sham, from Syria, came to Medina looking for Ka'b ibn Malik. And this messenger had a letter with him. And this letter was from the king of the Ghassasina. The Ghassasina, they were the Christians of Asham who were under the umbrella of the Roman Empire. So this messenger came from Asham and he had a letter from the king of the Ghassasina, the Christian king of the Ghassasina. And this letter was addressed to Ka'b ibn Malik. So he gave the letter to Ka'b ibn Malik. Ka'b, he read the letter. And the letter from the king, the Christian king of the Ghassasina, it said, we have heard what has happened to you. We have heard that your people are ignoring you and they are boycotting you. You can leave them and you can come to us. Come to Asham and become a Christian and become one of us. We will honor you. We will respect you. So Kaab he read this letter and he knew this is a test from Allah. Immediately he threw it in the fire. He threw the letter in the fire and he watched it burn. He watched the letter burn. So a difficult, difficult time that he's going through. And Ka'b radiallahu anhu, he mentions that during this time, during this time that no one was talking to him, even the Prophet ﷺ was not talking to him. During this time, his greatest fear, his greatest fear was that either he would die or the Prophet ﷺ would die. Either he would die or the Prophet ﷺ would die while he is still in this situation. He feared that if I die while I'm still in this situation, the Prophet ﷺ is not going to pray my janazah. That was his fear. If I die, the Prophet ﷺ will not pray my janazah. And if the Prophet ﷺ dies, then this will last forever. The people will never talk to me again. Because the revelation will not come to anyone else after the Prophet ﷺ. So that order will remain. The order not to talk to me, it will remain forever until I die. So this was his biggest fear. Either he would die and the Prophet ﷺ would not pray his janazah or the Prophet ﷺ would die and then no one would ever talk to him for the rest of his life. So this was his fear. Now 40 days passed. Imagine this, 40 days and no one is talking to Ka'b ibn Malik radiallahu anhu. 40 days passed. 
And after this, another order came from the Prophet ﷺ to Kaab and these other two men who were in the same situation that you have to keep away from your wives. Even you cannot spend time with your wives. You have to isolate yourself from your wives. So Kaab instead of arguing with this, immediately he asked, should I divorce her? If this is the command of the Prophet ﷺ, okay, I'll divorce her. Should I divorce her? And they said, no, not divorce her, but you have to isolate yourself from her and you cannot have any type of physical contact with her. So, so Kaab, he accepted this. I hear and I obey. So he immediately, he sent his wife to her parents' house. You're going to your parents' house. You cannot stay with me. This is the order of Rasulullah for me to stay away from you. So you go to your parents' house. Now 10 more days pass like this. 10 more days pass like this. Now he doesn't even have his wife for company. So a total of 50 days. A total of 50 days since the beginning of this boycott. It's a great test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 50 days of isolation from the public, from the people. After 50 days had passed, Ka'b ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, he was praying Salatul Fajr on the rooftop of his house. He was praying Salatul Fajr on the rooftop of his house. And he heard a caller. This is after 50 days of, of suffering from this test due to his not going on the battle of Tabuk. 50 days he went through this. And after 50 days had passed, he's praying Salatul Fajr on the roof of his house. And he hears a caller calling from atop of a mountain. He hears a caller calling out, Abshir ya Ka'ab ibn Malik. Abshir ya Ka'ab ibn Malik. Glad tidings. Rejoice ya Ka'ab ibn Malik. Rejoice ya Ka'ab ibn Malik. And when he heard this, he knew that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had forgiven him. That the Prophet must have announced that he is forgiven. And that is why this caller is calling out with glad tidings for Ka'ab ibn Malik. So immediately he knew what this meant. He knew that he had been forgiven. So he went down into sujood to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiving him. And the messenger who came with these glad tidings, the man who came and told Ka'b ibn Malik that the Prophet has announced that you have been forgiven, out of his, his gratefulness to receive this message, he took off his garment and he gave it to the messenger who had delivered the message out of thankfulness that this message had been delivered. And quickly, he went to the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ to meet the Prophet ﷺ. He was so happy now. So as he approached the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, the Sahaba anhum, they were there and they were going to him and they greeted him and they congratulated him. They shook his hand and they said, congratulations, Ya Ka'ab. Congratulations, Ya Ka'ab. Because the Prophet ﷺ had announced to the Sahaba already that Allah has accepted the repentance of Ka'ab ibn Malik. Allah has forgiven Ka'ab ibn Malik. And he forgave the other two as well. He forgave Hilal ibn Umayyah and Murara ibn al-Rabi. All three of them had been forgiven. And the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they received this news from the Prophet ﷺ. So when Ka'ab came, they came to him and they congratulated him. They shook his hand. They hugged him. The, the Sahaba around the masjid, they all gave him their congratulations and their glad tidings. So finally, Ka'ab was able to enter the masjid and he found the Prophet sitting with a few of his companions. Amongst those companions was Talha ibn Ubaidillah one of the great companions from the Muhajireen. So when Talha saw Ka'ab ibn Malik come in, come in 
the masjid, Talha stood up and he went to Kaab and he hugged him and he congratulated him and he showed true happiness from his heart that his brother Kaab had been forgiven. And, and Kaab says, I will never forget how Talha, how he met me, how he came and he hugged me and he congratulated me. This is something that I will not forget. And he went to the Prophet ﷺ. Finally, he went to the Prophet ﷺ and he said that the face of Rasulullah ﷺ was glowing and shining with happiness. And the Prophet ﷺ said to Kaab, he said to Kaab, Rejoice, Ya Kaab. Be happy, Ya Kaab. This is the best day of your life. Since the day your mother gave birth to you, this is the best day of your life. You have been forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Kaab, he said, Ya Rasulullah, is this from you or is it from Allah? And the Prophet said, It is from Allah. It is from Allah. So Kaab was very happy that his repentance had been accepted. And out of his happiness, he said to the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, as a show of my gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for accepting my repentance, for forgiving me for this big mistake that I made, Ya Rasulullah, I want to give all of my wealth. I want to give all of my wealth in the way of Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ said, no, no, you don't have to give all of your wealth. You don't have to give all of your wealth. So Kaab said, okay, I will only keep my portion that I received from the battle of Khaybar and everything else I'm going to give it away in Sadaqah. So this was the gratitude that Kaab ibn Malik showed that his repentance had been accepted. And Kaab says, the truth is what saved me in this situation. I didn't lie to the Prophet ﷺ. I told him the truth. And eventually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave me. I was forgiven because I told the truth. So my lesson that I learned from this is that I will only speak the truth as long as I live. I will never lie. So Ka'b radiallahu anhi, he understood the value of honesty and the importance of always telling the truth radiallahu anhi. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave these three companions and he knew that they made a mistake but they were sincere in their regret and their repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah forgave these three men and he mentions it in the Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he has forgiven these three men who didn't go out on the expedition and they were Ka'b ibn Malik Hilal ibn Umayyah and Murara ibn Ar-Rabi' Alright so as we mentioned the battle of Tabuk the expedition of Tabuk it is the expedition that exposed the Munafiqeen now the Munafiqeen they are out in the open and it's easy to see who is a munafiq. So after the battle of Tabuk, the Prophet ﷺ, he gathered the people in Medina. He gathered the people in Medina. And from the people, there were true Muslims and there were also some munafiqeen. So the Prophet ﷺ gathered everyone. And in that gathering, there were Muslims and there were hypocrites. So the Prophet ﷺ gave a khutbah. He gave an address to this gathering. And he praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And after praising Allah, he said, nas, inna fikum munafiqeen. He said, O people, from amongst you, there are hypocrites. There are hypocrites in this gathering. So then the people got scared. The people got scared that the Prophet ﷺ is going to expose the munafiqeen. And then the Prophet ﷺ did exactly that. He said, Man ismahu falyaqum. Whoever's name I mention, whoever name I call out, let him stand up and leave. 
So the Prophet ﷺ is actually going to start naming the munafiqeen in front of everybody. Total exposure for these people. So the people are afraid. The munafiqeen are afraid. And even the Muslims are also afraid. Because the true Muslims, they always have a fear in their heart that they may have hypocrisy. They may have nifaq in them. As we mentioned, even Umar ibn Khattab, he asked Hudayfa if he was on the list of munafiqeen. So everyone was scared when the Prophet said, Man ismahu Whoever name I mention, let him stand up. So everyone is scared. And then the Prophet starts mentioning names. And who, whoever name is mentioned, this person has to stand up and he has to leave the masjid. These are the munafiqeen. So on that day, the Prophet named and expelled 36 of the munafiqeen, 36 hypocrites from the masjid. They were named and shamed and they were expelled from the masjid. Now, in this gathering, the Prophet ﷺ did not mention the name of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul and he was the head of, of the munafiqeen. He was the chief of the munafiqeen. But his name was not mentioned in this gathering and perhaps there is some, there is some hikmah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding this that we don't know. Or it may be perhaps due to the fact that the affair of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul was already very clear to everyone. It was very clear that he was the head of the munafiqeen and many of the problems in Medina were traceable back to this man. So it was very clear that Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul was a munafiqeen so he didn't even need to be named because everybody already knew about his situation. Wallahu a'lam. So now, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he was late to this gathering. The Prophet ﷺ had, had called for this gathering and the people had come and the Prophet ﷺ started naming the munafiqeen and they were kicked out of the masjid. Umar radiallahu anhu was not there at the beginning of that gathering. He came late. So when he came late, there were already some people who had been kicked out of the masjid. Some of the munafiqeen, they were already outside of the masjid. So when Umar came to enter the masjid, he saw someone outside of the masjid and he said, what are you doing out here? Why are you not inside the masjid? And then this man had to admit to Umar radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet exposed me as one of the munafiqeen. So that's why I am out here. So this was the situation now of the munafiqeen in Medina. Their situation had become clear and they were being exposed and their network was falling apart. So Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, who was the head of the munafiqeen, the chief of the munafiqeen, he was very disturbed by what's going on because these people are all under him. This is his network, this is his support system and now it's all falling apart. So Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, he was very disturbed by this, that his whole support system, his whole network of munafiqeen is collapsing. So because of this stress and because of what was happening to his people, he became so weak and stressed out that he became physically ill. He became sick, physically sick. And he became so sick that he was on the verge of death. He was on his deathbed. He was about to die. When he was on his deathbed, when it was time for him to almost die, he called for the Prophet ﷺ. He called for the people, bring Rasulullah ﷺ to me. So the Prophet ﷺ came. And Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, in order to preserve some of his honor, he said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, when I die, bury me in your own garment. I want you to bury me in your cloth, in your garment. And I want you to pray my janazah. Don't let anyone else 
lead my janazah. I want you yourself to pray my janazah. Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, the head of the Munafiqeen, he is requesting this from the Prophet And the Prophet actually out of his rahmah and his mercy, he said to him, okay, okay, I will bury you in my own garment and I will pray your janazah. Look at the rahmah of the Prophet This is a man, Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul is a man who has caused so many difficulties and hardships for the Prophet ﷺ over the years. But still out of rahmah, the Prophet ﷺ agreed to bury him in his own garment and to pray the janazah over him. Just gives you some insight into the rahmah, into the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ. So when it actually happened, when Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, the head of the Munafiqeen, he died. He died. And the Prophet ﷺ gathered the companions to pray the janazah. And he actually wrapped him in his own garment. He actually wrapped him in his own garment as he promised he would do. And the Prophet ﷺ was getting ready to lead the janazah of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. So Umar ibn Khattab anhu, he said to him, Ya Rasulullah, Ya Rasulullah, this man is from the munafiqeen. Ya Rasulullah, don't pray his janazah. Don't lead his janazah. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Da'ni ya Umar, leave me ya Umar, let me do it. And Umar insisted, he said, Ya Rasulullah, Ya Rasulullah, do not pray on him. Do not pray his janazah. Didn't Allah say, Istaghfir lahum aw la tastaghfir lahum? In tastaghfir lahum sab'een marratan falen yaghfir Allah lahum? Ya Rasulullah, didn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, ask Allah for forgiveness for them or don't ask Allah for forgiveness for them? Even if you ask Allah to forgive these people, the munafiqeen, even if you ask Allah to forgive them 70 times, Allah will not forgive them. Didn't Allah say this, Ya Rasulullah? And the Prophet ﷺ said, then I will pray more than 70 times. Allah said, if you ask for forgiveness for them 70 times, He will still not forgive them. Okay, so I will ask more than 70 times. Perhaps Allah will forgive them. This is the rahmah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So he goes to lead the janazah. He's, he's getting ready to lead the janazah. And Umar radiallahu an one last time to stop the Prophet sallallahu from doing this, he actually holds the garment of the Prophet sallallahu He grabs onto the garment of the Prophet sallallahu Ya Rasulullah, don't do it. Don't pray on this man. And the Prophet sallallahu says to Umar, Ya Umar, leave me. Let me do it. So Umar radiallahu an has no choice but to leave the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ prayed the janazah prayer for Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. Then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed an ayah supporting the position of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed وَلَا تُصَلِّ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ مَاتَ أَبَدًا وَلَا تَقُمْ عَلَىٰ قَبْرِهِ إِنَّهُمْ كَفَرُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَمَاتُوا وَهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the Prophet after this. He said, do not pray on any of them. Do not pray the janazah for any of these munafiqeen. And do not stand on their graves. Do not stand by their graves and do not pray their janazah. Surely they disbelieved in Allah and His Messenger. These munafiqeen, they are kuffar. They are disbelievers. And they died and they were disobedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So do not do this again. Do not pray on the munafiqeen. And after that, the Prophet ﷺ never prayed a janazah prayer over a munafiq again. So these are some of the incidents that happened after the battle of Tabuk. And this was 
the exposure of the hypocrites, the exposure of the munafiqeen. Inshallah, we'll stop there for today and we'll continue next week with Nillah. Wallahu alam, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.